for, for the last few weeks and, and again tonight and about once a month, maybe more, you're going to be hearing the same thing. Don't be afraid of that. Don't think, oh man, you know, we, we did this earlier. There's a very good reason why the Bible repeats and repeats many things. You read it in one book, then you read it again, then you read it again. Well, the reason is because we don't get it. You know, in one church we were in, a couple had been faithful members in that church for nearly 40 years and not saved. And for 40 years had sat, they got saved in their 70s, for 40 years had sat and listened to the gospel. Now, praise God, that pastor didn't give up on the gospel. Because it took all that time on one night, they got it. One night, they actually heard it prophetically. So I'm going to repeat a little bit things that we've, we've said this morning and in previous weeks because we need it to actually land on our spirit and become part of us. So the Bible then says four times more about money than it does about faith. Four times more about fear, uh, sorry, four times more about money than it does about fear. Four times more about money than it does about prayer. But most churches shy away from that. They're afraid of it. And that causes a lot of damage in the kingdom. You should have heard four times as many messages on giving and on money than you probably have. Certainly than I heard in the first few years of my life. Churches grow normally to three, four hundred until the pastor's wages are paid, their building is paid off, and then they stop. May God forgive us. It's not about us, is it? What about missions? What about the world? What about out there? But you go to church after church after church and so many just get stuck with their own needs being met and we're not going to make that mistake, right? So over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the things. In fact, last Sunday night, we were looking at some of the promises that God gives us concerning finances. He, we were looking at diverse income streams and if you keep your finger on the pulse of the business world, you will know that for the last few decades there's been a lot of stuff said about how your life should have more than one income stream, not just your job, right? There was four rivers in the Garden of Eden, not just one. And we, we, we can be so dull to these things. The Bible says the children of the world are often wiser obeying these principles than the children of God are. That should not be so. And so we're encouraged to look for diverse income streams, to think about that, to pray about that, and to ask God to show them to us, to show them indeed to you. Why not you? Amen? Why not you? So there's promises concerning this, that another promise. As the devil comes at you in one way, God says he'll flee in seven. Right? You'll have, he'll come to destroy your finances one way, but you will have multiple ways to, to sustain yourself, like Goshen, that even when there is a recession, you'll be all right because you weren't just tied up, weren't foolish, putting all your eggs in one basket, as it were. So maybe for, for, for many of you, hearing about multiple ways of giving is the first time you've ever heard that. Don't be suspicious. Please, you need to get way past that Multiple streams. You see, before we ever have multiple income streams, I, healthy ones, I believe we need to have multiple giving streams. And what does Proverbs say? What does the wisdom literature say to you? Sow a little here, sow a little there. Different places, different issues, different streams. And then those things, and it's important where you sow, you know. It's important where you put your finances. You need to put your finances in a good church, your tithe. 
when it comes to your offerings, your, 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 your uh, free will offering, your sacrificial offering, you need to be putting it into a good ministry. A ministry that your heart and soul believes in. Because if you don't, there's no, well, hardly any reward for that, right? Paul talks about it. That when, when you sow your seed, that the he who reaps would rejoice and eat some of the crop, right? So when you sow into a ministry and that ministry succeed, God remembers you. God remembers you and comes back to you and you share in the harvest of that, right? So each one of these giving streams are actually just maturity, a, a, a way that we should have been taught in the early years of our Christian lives. But my, oh my, doesn't the devil do a real good job on this one? I think he works double time on this one to try and stop us progressing. I was sharing in our cell group this week. Uh, one of the first faith pledges I made here in, in, in Glasgow, I didn't have. I had about 5,000, I think, in our reserves, in our account, and that was all we had. And we had a bill to pay of about 12,000. 12,000 euros, that was. I had 5,000 pounds. Now the faith pledge Sunday came and I was sitting here, but I believed I'd heard from God to pledge 12,000. <laughs> I've only got five and I've got a bill, you know, coming in of 12. Lord, man, this, this is better be you. So I thought we talked about it, prayed about it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to put it down. And we make a mistake. We make a mistake, but let's see what happens. Now, the months began to go by and I did my best in the first couple of months to, to pay as much of that as I could, stretching my faith. But I've never actually shared this before, but I ended up in tears. I ended up just broken. I said, God, I wish I had faith. You want faith from me. God, forgive me that I can't even believe for this. Forgive me, Lord, that I can just do what I can do. What's a tithe? We can all afford a tithe. God help me. And we were at home one day and the phone rang. And it was the guy who had been our accountant whilst we were in Ireland. And my, when, when she said, you know, he's on the phone, my heart sank. Because that was the phone call that was getting my 12 grand check. And that was the man who was saying, where's the check? And I don't have it. And I, my, my heart sank. And I went to that phone. And I said, hi. And you know what he said to me? Do you want the good news or do you want the good news? Hallelujah. <laughs> and he said, your entire the whole finance system for yourself, for Jeanette, for what you've done in business, the whole thing is, is so far off. You won't believe it. You were wrongly taxed. We owe you 22,000. 22,000, I can't remember if it was euros or pounds. I said, what? <laughs> we were not only able to pay our pledge, but we had 10 grand left over. So I've, I've seen this firsthand. God wanted faith from me right there in that instance. And I challenge you that over these next few weeks, as this church grows, you need to grow. Amen. You need to grow with it. You need to move with it. It's the easiest thing in the world to get suspicious. It's the easiest thing. We can all do that, right? That will just cripple you and, and, and stop your growth. Instead, get adventurous. Who cares if you get it wrong? Yeah, better to make a mistake than never to try, right? So it's over next Sunday, come in next Sunday, prepared to make a faith pledge. If it's for the first time, then praise the Lord. Now listen, we can talk about these types of giving as the Bible explains them. The tithe, the free will offering, the sacrificial offering. By the way, they don't work 
until you come through them, right? You can't go from the tithe to the faith pledge, not unless you're willing to come through sacrifice. Stick with the game plan. You don't just jump over that. There's a need for you to come through that route. Follow what Jesus, exactly what he advises you to do. It's sensible, solid growth. Of course, pay your tithe. Then you need to make an offering. But you need to be moving into sacrifice before God brings that faith. You also need to hear from God. Faith comes by hearing. hearing. So you need to seek God this week and hear that figure. And then you'll have the faith, not from us, from the Lord to you. It's a faith pledge. And it's for missions. All of that goes towards missions. Okay? So come through this route. Push yourself through the biblical route, and then we can start to see things get exciting. But <laughs> we can talk about this, and we can go through it again and again. Guess what? People still don't get it. And do you know why? Because they're tied up in debt. Because instead of having multiple income streams, they've got multiple credit cards. And instead of being able to give into multiple areas, they're running around paying this bill and that bill, this debt and that debt, and that is just a fact. Debt is not just a personal problem, and of course it is hugely in people's lives, but debt in these latter days has become a humongous global problem, right? Amen? You follow the news? I mean, it is unbelievable. Let me give you a little bit, I don't know if you're aware of this, let me just give you a little bit of insight into the financial systems in the world that you live in. A few decades back, there's a thing called the, the, the Federal Reserve, right? It's gold bars, bullion. And the Fed had, say, so much bullion, so much gold. And the system in decades gone by was that a note, say they've got this much gold, a note would be issued, a dollar would be issued that corresponded to the gold. So they would print the money. So there's the gold, there's the money, no problem. We've got a reserve. There's the reserve. We've got that, much, that many dollars. We've got this much gold. We've got all this reserve. Do you know what they did? They kept on printing. Kept on printing. Kept on printing. And the day came when the amount of gold was the same as the dollars. Right? And now the government thought, well, what will we do? They've never been here before. So they said, we know what we're going to do. Just keep on printing, baby. And that's what they did. They called it fractional reserve banking. There would only be a fraction of the gold corresponding to the amount of dollars. And from that day to this day, they just keep on printing. And there's just that fraction left. They actually call that the Federal Reserve. It's neither. It's neither federal or a reserve. It's not federal because it's a, it's a private bank. And it's not a reserve because there is no reserve. The, word, the U.S. is 40 trillion in debt. The national debt. 40 trillion. And the national reserve is 8 trillion. Right? 8 trillion. Now do the math. There are 32 trillion in debt. There is no way back from that place. There's no way out of that hole. So what did Barack Obama do this week? In one day, borrowed a trillion. So I, mean, I tell you, this is the world system. Let me tell you something else. Look, listen. Do you know what they do? They keep on printing the money. It doesn't exist. There is no wealth. Money and wealth are two different things. There's no gold to back it up. But listen, 
You need a mortgage, do you? You need about, say, 150,000 or something. They print 150 grand. That doesn't exist. Then they loan it to you, and they charge you interest on it. They charge you interest on a thing that they created with a stroke of a pen. That's the world system. That's the world we live in. And this world is sinking so fast, it is incredible to behold. Now, the Bible prophesies that in the latter days, we're going to see a wealth transfer. That the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. But for us to be able to receive that, there needs to be some sort of a foundation in your life. God, God's a good dad, a good father, who's not just going to dump, you know, here you go, Peter, it's 500,000, you know. You need to have some stability. He's not going to destroy you. You need to have stability financially. You need to have accountability financially, maturity financially. As I shared last week, you need a financial relationship with God, just as we have in all the other areas. So, so tonight's topic is breaking free of debt so that we can move into giving. Principal reason most people can't give or don't give is simply because of debt. I am delighted to deal with this topic because I care about it. I had debts. I really got myself in a mess at one point. And you, you know, the Bible says the borrower becomes slave to the lender. Absolutely true. Debt within marriages is the number one, money is the number one cause for divorce. Causes huge stress, right? Both single people and married people. Huge, huge problem. Even right here, we know of a person right in this church who tried to take his own life. And he didn't succeed, but he did succeed in taking the lives of both his children to get out of this world because of one reason, money. He didn't have control of his money. He just kept on borrowing week after week. And this is individuals get addicted to this like governments get addicted to it. You know, it's just, it's crazy. There's no real thinking going on. Well, this is a massive, massive issue. Not only is it the number one cause of marital breakups, but it's also the number one reason why people don't get married. Particularly men, they say no because they don't want the financial pressure of actually being married. Yet this Bible here promises us financial freedom. As we looked on our first week, the four aspects of the gospel of, that you have received, of salvation, there's four parts of that. And God promises you and me freedom from sin. Amen. Amen. Right? I will give you that freedom. You walk by my spirit, I will empower you, you'll be free from sin. But equally, financial freedom is promised, it's part of our covenant, but there's rules to obey, there's principles to come through to get into that place of freedom. What's financial freedom? Well, it's this. Put it like this. If you lost your job tomorrow and there was no income from anywhere in the world into your, you know, like your job, how long could you survive? How long would it be that you would get by if you had no income whatsoever? That's financial freedom. Financial freedom is when we're actually completely able to survive because we have developed a multitude of income streams and we can live in dark days just as the days of Goshen, right? It was for freedom that Jesus has set us free. I set you free to be free in every way, not just sin, but also in this. So please keep on working at it because the devil will keep on working on you to try and pull you back. Jesus cares about this. He, he told 38 parables 
How many of the 38 parables that Jesus told do you think were about money? 16. Approaching half of the stories he told to try and teach people and guide people, approaching half were concerning your welfare financially. You see, Jesus knows the kind of things that pulls people down. Now, in the church, there is typically three types of people. Oops, sorry, wrong slide. <laughs> there's three, I haven't got it up there, sorry. There's, it's on your notes, actually, if you do have your notes from this morning. There's three types of people. The first type is those who know that there's a problem, but they won't do anything about it. They, they know that they're getting into debt. They know they're continuing in it, but they consider it normal. That's the first type. They just accept it. What else do people do? I'm just going to continue borrowing, continue borrowing, and continue borrowing. The second type are people who, who know it's a problem, but they don't care enough to get out of it, to break free of it, to get out of it. And the third type is the type that we need to be. Hey, do you know it's a problem? Do you know it's a problem? It is a problem. I know debt is a problem. I know it's a huge problem, but I'm willing to make every effort myself to get completely debt free. That's the camp you need to be in and I need to be in. I need to see the issue, understand that there's an issue here, a real battle in the world, and make a commitment in my heart that I'm going to work towards being debt-free. Now, I'll expand this as we go. Just as a preface before we look at, at principles for getting out of debt, preface to all of that is this. The rules apply to everyone. See these, uh, the, the, the rules there of, of tithing and all that? There are no exceptions. One of the ironies about the Christians all the time is they keep on thinking they're an exception in lots of ways. It's the grace thing, the grace factor. You know, so many Christians want something for nothing, don't they? It's true. That's grace, you see. We, we're, we're in the world. We don't know God. We get saved. We come into the church, and all of a sudden, we want something for nothing. We, we've just been saved free salvation, and it tends to permeate out into all aspects of life. And you've got to get that thinking out of your mind. That's not godly. So the rules, these rules apply to everyone. Remember, the wicked prosper, and you can prosper negatively, but God wants us to prosper very, very positively. I remember one pastor I was working with, and in that church, they needed a new building. And the pastor had been to see the building of a, a neighboring pastor who was actually selling his building and moving out to another larger place. And he came back to me and he said, I, I offered him, like, I can't remember what it was, three, four hundred thousand at the time, but the building was worth about, like, three, four million. I said, what? I said, well, I offered him, he should have taken that. It's all the kingdom, all about the kingdom. <laughs> I offered him that. So bad, isn't it? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So if you had a building that was worth four million, you'd sell it for three hundred thousand, would you? There's a word for that, covetousness. That's his church, it's his building. You're thinking wrong. How dare you ask him for that? But you know, the guy didn't agree with me. He felt because, oh, it's the kingdom. Grace, grace, that's not what God is talking about. But Christians can get the attitude that, you know, a handout attitude, and that is very unhealthy for life. So accept, please. I need to accept, and you need to accept. See these rules. For prosperity, they apply to you, and they apply to me. So rule number one then, how do we get out of debt? We'll start with the biblical principles. God says that we should bring him the first fruits from our time, 
our talent and our treasure. It's not just about money. Remember, it's a relationship with a living God, a relationship with a loving God. And that's not just about you putting your finance in each week. In one church we had, we had one very wealthy individual who was by far the biggest giver in the church, um, but a very miserable person. Because, and, and I had many conversations with this guy, he was very unhappy in his life. Oh, he would give God his treasure, faithful tithe, and give way beyond the tithe, but unhappy Christian, unhappy life, unfulfilled life. And week after week, you would see him there, not happy in his life. And many conversations I have with that guy, listen, it's not like that. God loves you, and he wants love back. It's not just about your treasure. And I would say to him, for example, you're an extremely talented individual. And he was. He was a fantastic businessman. The church needs help. Come and help us with our accounts. Come and help us with this. He wouldn't give you the time. I, was, I can't. I'm too busy. I, I'm not surprised you're, you're sort of dislocated from God. It's not just about your money. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. Right? And, and same for us. You need to give God of your time, of your talent, and of your treasure. It's all three. You can't just go for number three. You can't just say, oh, I'll engage in the, in the faith pledge. There's going to be a lot missing in your life if that's the case. And God doesn't want that. Not in any way does he want it. Right? He wants a relationship, as I say, a financial relationship with you. So first of all, you personally... Make, it, make an assessment of your life. Where's the time factor? Are you giving God of your time, you know, uh, you know, proportionately, appropriately? Is that sacrificial? Are you giving God of your talents? And are you giving God of your treasure? It needs to be all three for this to be good-natured and holistic in your life. Second principle to get out of debt, you may need to ask for help. Seek someone who's been in debt and got out of it. Get advice. Seek advice for how to move from the position. It's one of the best things you can ever do. I am not surprised that one of the number one causes of marital breakup is finance because it nearly wrecked us. <laughs> and we were, we were, you know, pretty okay with the way we had proceeded. But I tell you what, as I've told you many times, the first two years of our marriage was very difficult and there's only one reason why. Because I loved Jeanette. I never didn't. I always loved Jeanette. Always loved my wife. But the pressure of the finance was so great that it nearly drove us apart. And I gave her a hard time. Terrible time. Do you know what I did? I confused the debt with my wife. I got the two fudged and it became Jeanette instead of Jeanette. <laughs> the two... The two things, do you know what? <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one, no one can prepare a man for marriage. No one. No matter what, what you look at, what, what, what materials you study, all your premarital, nothing on earth can prepare a man for marriage. Because on the day you get married, it's like an, a, a weight comes upon you. It's a good weight. It's a sensible weight. You've got to learn to grow into it. But a responsibility that you didn't have as a single man, is gone. And for the first time in my life when I got married, I felt that weight and I hated it. And it took two years, a bit slow, 
took two years for me to actually see and to separate Jeanette from the debt. And to see that they're different things. Do you know what the devil was, was putting in my mind? Ah, you see, shouldn't have got married. Now look, now look, you're sinking onto the way to death. When the answer was, Jeanette, the answer was the marriage. And what, I, but the devil confused those two things, put them together. But after a lot of pain, a lot of prayer, God separated them and put the debt on one side. Now look, there's you, there's your wife, and there's me. There's a threefold cord here. You need your wife. You need to agree in prayer. And together, she's your friend. I've given her to you, you to her, to defeat this thing. Now, don't see your friend as your enemy. Right? And for me, that was just so difficult to get to. What were we saying about a threefold strand? You know, they say a threefold cord is not easily broken. Do you know that's a fact? It's not just a line in the Bible. It's an absolute fact of physics. A two-fold cord is not as strong as a three. A four-fold cord is not as strong as a three. And no matter how thick the strands are, the strongest cord is still a three-fold cord. And do you know why? Because all three touch. Right? All three touch. And it gives you the maximum number and the most strength. So within, within our marriage, for instance, we were weak. I wasn't touching on God. I was in some way distanced from my wife because of the struggle over finances. But once we got together and God was in the relationship properly, man, you get strong then, all right. You see, the scriptures are true. But wow, does the devil, number one cause of marital breakup. Fine, I am not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. You need to know these things and pass them on to others that you find struggling in this area. Right? Principle number three for getting out of debt. Resist all indulgences. Because we live in a world that is just so, you know, footless and fancy free with regard to indulgences, especially since the um, plastic came out. And often when people feel sad or feel lonely or feel down, they think that the way out of it is actually to spend money. Go, into te- go on a shopping spree, right? Because it actually makes, it gives a, a short-term kick. And advertising, whether you're aware of it or not, advertising is chasing you all day. All day. And it's very difficult to keep that sort of thinking and that pressure out of your mind. They're always after you. I don't know if you see those phone ads, you know, the big billboards. There's this massive big green field and it's, it's sunshine and daisies and there's a park bench and there's a couple sitting, looking lovingly into one another's eyes, and you look at it and you say, yeah, and down the corner, Vodafone. <laughs> it's a sell. Now listen, we can laugh, but you know what? Have you any idea the number of people that when they feel low, go and buy a phone? Huh? Or feel low, they go and buy something, they go into town, go when they can't afford it, because there is a kind of a buzz that they get a self-worth that comes with acquisition when they buy things, be they clothes, the latest trend or whatever, makes them feel better for a moment. But of course that doesn't last. And then they have to go and buy more or spend more. And it's an addictive cycle, a cycle that must be seen and broken. Okay? Principle number four, you need to develop a budget. There's only one thing worse in life than than, than, than not having a, bu- than having a budget, and that's not having one. 
right? It's one of those things, like a toothache. The only one thing worse than having a toothache, get it fixed, not getting it done. Go to the doctor, get the thing seen to. And you need to work on a budget. You need to think about your finances very sensibly, very simply. Start to think sensibly, not madly, not wildly. And car th cars are an absolute rip-off, you know? I mean, if you get a car loan, you need your head seen to, honestly. I've never had a car loan in my life. I wouldn't <coughs> touch a car loan with a barge pole. A car is a depreciating asset, right? Why on earth would you take a loan with, with, with whatever interest on it on a depreciating asset? I mean, you know, in school you should learn that sort of thing. That's madness. But someone will go out and take a car loan on a car that's not going to be worth the same. I don't get that. That's just silly. That's stupid. That's not good budgeting. That is absolutely, you know, it's, it's foolishness. And let me talk about something just a little bit sensitive, and you can have a different opinion on this. Many people do. Mortgages. As many guys don't believe in mortgages, you know. Many pastors preach you shouldn't have a mortgage, you shouldn't have this, you know, it's all wrong, it's the world system. So is tax. Tax is the world system too. I don't think God likes tax at all. I hate tax myself, but there you go. But what does Jesus say? Pay your tax. Because whilst you're in the world, he commands us to pay our tax. And I think mortgages fall into, I don't mind mortgages myself, but uh, because I don't think God is completely against debt. It's long-term debt. That's what God's against. He doesn't want your life tied up in debt. So what did he institute? The seventh year within the Jewish calendar was the year for cancelling debts. It's the year when, when, when we should, and we should have the same principle ourselves. And you could criticize us and say, well, because we had, what, 270 grand or something of debt. So I was in debt. Hello. I know what debt is. But when we bought a series, we, buy, we bought our way into a business, a housing business, right? Now, you could look and say, well, you're absolutely crazy. Why did you do that? Hang on a minute. Listen to the whole story. I knew those principles right then. Fully knew them. And I saw where we were going. God had put us, as I shared last week, he put us in Liverpool. And he showed me that place. And when we, before we signed anything, we prayed a very serious prayer. And it was this. God, within seven years, that debt's got to go. We're borrowing. We have no intention of paying that back over 30 years. You must be joking. We're going to make profit. And then we're going to chunk that thing down within seven years. And we will be back to you within seven years. And that was our commitment. But only on that basis. Not for a whole lifetime. So Jesus, uh, God institutes it there in the Old Testament. Every seven years, call in your debt. Keep it short term. Always have a plan to keep it short term. That's why actually you need to buy more than one. Because they all go up together. You make a collateral gain and then you can pay the lot off. You see, and you'll end up with two or three that you don't owe anything on. Right? Now, was it a piece of cake? Absolutely not. It was awful. It was very difficult to break through in business in that way. In fact, we didn't make it. We ran into trouble. It was about, I can't remember, the end of the first year or middle of the second year. And we weren't making our mortgage payments. We've now got six mortgage payments, right? And, and we've got to somehow cope with that. And we just couldn't cope. But we had began right. We'd gone to God. We'd got a business plan. We'd committed the business plan. And really, at that point, we couldn't do anything else. It's good to have God to call on when you're in trouble, you know. Because <laughs> I went into that secret place. I needed God. It was one day I knew we, 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 we're just not going to make this. And Malachi, it says that if you pay your tithe, he will stop your fruit 
from shedding before season. You know that line? Great line. It means if my business has not yet prospered, I shouldn't be losing it. I shouldn't be liquidated before my time. And there's a promise right there. And in our crisis, because it was a five-year period, we actually had everything sold. You see, it didn't even take seven. But it wasn't easy. So the second year, I think it was, about the middle of the second year, we hit crisis. But there's that promise. God, we could lose this business right here. And I don't want to do that. That's not right. There's a promise here. And I sought God. And God, praise the Lord, he gave me a name of a guy I'd only met once many years prior. I did some research, got his number, rang him up. Hey, do you remember me? Oh, yeah. What's the problem? I've got a financial problem. He said, you know, he said to me, how much do you want? <laughs> I thought that was a good thing to say, you know. <laughs> now, he gave us quite a lot. He gave us a five-figure sum, and we were able to continue then, and that got us through that little bit of a ditch, you see. When you begin with God, and you get your principles right to start with, you can continue with God, and He will get you through to the end. Amen. So don't be, don't be afraid of that. We can I I'm not against mortgages personally, though if you are, I understand that. I know everybody's different. But try and keep, get a business plan to pay your mortgage off quickly. That's what I'm saying. Have some other income stream, which is accumulating, which is knocking off your debt. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to look um, probably considerably at end times. And I want to show you why, why that's all the more important today. Another thing you need to do to get out of debt is stop using these things here. Right? Credit cards are an absolute killer. You know, you know um, it, 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 I can't remember what the statistic, what was it, £10,000 per home? I think it's the same. It hasn't shifted in the last two or two, like one, two years or something. $10,000 in America, £10,000 here per head in the country on a credit card. That's a lot of money. Not something you could probably afford even to pay back. But see, when you use plastic, it's like toy town. It's not like real money, is it? You can just spend, spend, spend. And do you know the way to conquer this? Get some cash. Go to the bank. Get your wages in cash. Right? And put that cash in your wallet. And then go out to a restaurant and see if you want to pay the bill. <laughs> because when you're handing over notes, you're going to think, you know what, I, I could have cooked spaghetti, I could have cooked this. I, <laughs> It's a very different thing from that little plastic card, which at the beginning seems painless, seems so harmless, but will catch up with you, right? Start to get cash and, get, and keep your cash, I mean, keep your cash with you. I like, you know, little simple tins. Why not have a line of tins, you know? Why not? Rent money, gas, electric, phone, and just put, it's cash. That's what you've really got. It's not pretendy. It's real money and it's in the tin. Go back to those old-fashioned ways and you'll probably get through a lot quicker and a lot easier. We need to break these things up. And I could give you testimonies that I, I can't give you because of privacy in people's lives. But this will kill you. If you don't control it, keep it under control, it'll get you. Folks, it's the end of time. It's the end of time. And God promises that the church at the end of time that the wealth of the wicked will be transferred to us. Now, I do not think we're ready. And I make no apology for studying this for a few weeks, I can tell you. We need to get rapid on track, make our commitments, and God will escalate us. He'll bring us in to where he wants us to be indeed.
which is a relationship of faith so that missions and the gospel can be funded in the, in the world. You heard the testimony last week of curves. How, how can you go from a brand new business to the biggest franchise on earth? Please. God. God and God alone. Coming upon that man and giving him a very simple plan. This is what you're going to do. These are the principles you're going to follow. Boom. Off he goes. So please, especially over these next few weeks when we steer our minds towards the last days and the book of Revelation, etc., you're going to see how important finances are. And you're going to be, as Pui mentioned, a channel through whom funds can come, I hope. Amen. Amen? Let's pray. I just invite Liam to come back to us and maybe you could set up the stage for him. Father, we take your word seriously. We want to be a people of faith, a people that stretch our faith, God. That's what pleases you. And so would you change our, our habits, change our ways, stretch us and stretch us and stretch us again. Lord, we, we, we humbly bow before you tonight. Forgive us if we get distracted or whatever by the world we live in and we fail to see the hour and the alarm bells going off all around us. I believe this world is about to end and there's all the more important why we should be ready and armed with everything, finances, every spiritual gift and fit for battle. So God, we present ourselves to you individually and also as a church.